0: Hello photographers, creatives and everyone else listening and welcome to the third episode of the Dan Kennedy podcast, hosted by me, Dan Kennedy. Today on the show is legendary LA-based celebrity photographer Austin Hargrave. He's a good friend of mine. Austin, like me, came up through working in local newspapers. Everything ran out for him in the UK, so he ended up moving to LA, slept on his brother's floor and totally retrained himself in terms of his photographic style. He was fascinated by the work of Annie Leibovitz, Norman Jean Roy, Art Stryber, people like that. He managed to get onto a course, um, Santa Fe Photographic Workshops, I think it was, which was hosted by Norman Jean Roy, which was kind of his dream, really, getting onto that course. That helped him change his style. And uh, now he travels the world shooting A-list celebrities from Natalie Portman to U2. He's probably shot them. So I hope you enjoy my chat with Austin Hargrave. Austin, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Dan. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for doing this. It's been about five minutes since we last spoke. (laughs) It has.
0: (laughs) So I want to talk a bit about the point at which you left the UK, because I know that you worked for the Mirror newspaper for quite a few years, and then things kind of fizzled out there, and you ended up in the US. So... Can you just start off by talking a bit about that, really, leaving the UK and winding things up with the Mirror?
1: Yeah. So it was around 2006 that I left the Mirror, whereas a kind of like a photojournalist, and came out to LA. And the last few years at the Mirror, I was kind of like into the portraiture kind of side of the work there. And um, rather than the kind of photojournalist side of just kind of hitting the pavement and trying to find a picture and a story. And I found myself in L.A. I remember I came out here and was pretty naive about it, um, which I think was probably a wise thing looking back on it now. But I remember seeing a copy. I remember coming out and it's around 2006, 2007 and seeing a copy of Vanity Fair. And it was like a lightning bolt. So I, kept, like, I didn't know. I didn't understand how photography can be so beautiful. It was like so new to me. And it seems like weird looking back on it now. But I kind of saw these pictures by Annie even and Art Stryber at the time in Vanity Fair, and she went, that's what I want to do. And then I was just like, how do I do that? And I spent the last 12 years still trying to work it out. <laughs> <laughs> you seem to be doing pretty well, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs>
0: so you finished at The Mirror, and you ended up in Los Angeles, California. So how did that come about?
1: So I'd come out to LA a few times for work in the years before leaving The Mirror, and my brother, my younger brother lived in LA, so it wasn't like a totally alien environment or move. And I remember back from the newspaper days of traveling, traveling the world and always finding like local stringer there, you know, like in New York or in Australia or in Asia, there was always somebody in the capital who just worked for the British press. And it seemed quite, it seemed like a fun way to work. So. I had the idea of trying to do that in LA as a photographer. I mean, I was very naive about it at the time, so I chose LA. So I ended up in LA in like yeah two thousand six, two thousand seven. Yeah. And what
0: was that like? There. What what did you <laughs> what, what did you do then when you first arrived? What was those first couple of months like? I mean, it's pretty epic to make that decision, and uh, it's really impressive, you know, to sort of go over there not knowing what was going to happen. So what what were the first couple of months
1: like? So I mean, I I remember. I made a decision about nine months before I, I moved out that I was going to come out to LA. So I got a portfolio together in, in I was living in Cardiff at the time. I got a portfolio together in Cardiff of kind of the mixture of the work I'd done in the mirror and the time in between, between living the mirror and still being in the UK, which was a lot more kind of like portraiture and kind of celebrity focused. And I went to see, some magazine people. I mean, didn't know anybody. So a lot of it was cold calling and I went up to London kind of like every couple of weeks to try and see somebody. I remember it was pretty kind of depressing, but you know, some people said, yeah, we'll, we'll give you a try if you're out in LA, you know? Um, so I remember coming back and go, Oh, this is going to be easy. All these people are going to use me in LA. This is going to be great. It's going to be no problem. And then I landed in LA nine months later and didn't work <laughs> for many months. <laughs> but, I remember, I mean, it only takes a few people. And one of the people um, I had met with um, was Ross O'Connell from, um, he was working at one of the celebrity magazines in the UK. And he moved to Q magazine, which was like, I mean, it was like an amazing music magazine. And like a lot of my photography heroes had worked for it. And he went to become picture editor there. And I remember he very kindly, I think, you know, like four of his regular people in America were busy shooting other stuff, and he tried me out. Um, and it was like, oh my god, this is brilliant! This is, this is like this is like a dream come true. Working for Q Magazine, traveling in America, going to like small town and shooting like quite big bands. Like, I mean, I you know I hadn't done anybody kind of really big or A-list. I remember one of my first jobs was shooting Arcade Fire, and like I don't think I'd ever shot like seven people posed together. It was like. <laughs> Like crazy, <laughs> but yeah. So that's kind of how I ended up, and it kind of just like slowly snowboarded from there. I mean, snowboard is actually a wrong term. It dribbled from there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, and um, and how? So let's drill down a bit onto onto the difference in style then, because you and I have both worked for local and national newspapers and you know you get a real style drummed into you so yeah it's quite a big um it's a big shift to start thinking differently and so how did you make a conscious decision on arrival in la to sort of change your style um and try and shoot things differently do you remember doing that
1: yeah i remember i mean i remember you were um, we were kind of very similar we both worked for newspapers at the same time and actually did a few jobs together and traveled most of Europe together at some point, I feel. But you kind of left earlier than me and got into the magazine world. And I remember being kind of very inspired by you, by you kind of just like very quickly kind of changing your style to this like very polished celebrity work and portraiture. Like, oh my God, that's like, it's possible for a photojournalist to, you know, like you kind of led the way. And I remember going, oh, well, there is a way that this can change. (laughs) My work can change as well. So like I say, I mean, this... You know, I remember you were maybe like a couple of years uh, uh, ahead of me in kind of making the move out, of vote, you know, out of photojournalism, and I, you kind of inspired me a bit to kind of, you know, pack up the the chasing the streets and pull out the the light, so to speak. But it wasn't until I came to America and, like I say, saw a couple of the Vanity Fair for the first time, and it like, just changed, it changed my world and my whole perspective on what photography could be because, uh, you know, it was just it was mind blowing to me. They kind of look like works of art more than. The photography I was used to seeing and doing, yeah, great.
0: And and did you uh, do you think you deconstructed a lot of pictures? Then were you looking at these Vanity Fair shoots and and um, other shoots that inspired you and working out how they were shot? You know, were you doing that?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember. I mean, it took me a fair few years to kind of realise what I liked about them. You know, what kind of made them powerful to me. You know, the colour and the composition, and you know, there's. There's so much work that goes into it and it's just, you know, it's very, it's all very finely tuned and, you know, all together it makes this beautiful thing. So it took me a long time to kind of realize what I liked about the photography and how you kind of brought those together. Because, you know, it's, it's, these shoots are, the production behind them is immense, you know, the planning that goes into them as well. And you don't see that with a final picture, you just see the kind of the, the, the end product, but the work that goes into it beforehand is so important as well, and that was something I had no idea about. Kind of, you know, even two years into LA, I was still kind of like, I don't understand how they make all this stuff happen in one in one photo. So that was a big learning curve. But yeah, the kind of the pulling the pictures apart and kind of realizing how you know how they apply the color and the treatment and the toning. You coming from the photojournalism world, like you, I think I shot JPEG. We shot film, then we shot JPEG. You weren't allowed to edit it. You weren't allowed to do anything. I mean, we didn't even. I don't even think I knew about color balance. I used Photoshop for ten years, and I just used brightness, contrast, and sharpness. And that's all I used. Hmm. So even you kind of like learning Photoshop and its possibilities has it's, it's been uh, a learning curve as well. Yeah.
0: And um, I mean, what was it like financially at that kind of time? Were you was it quite hand to mouth? Were you kind of just surviving? Or
1: <laughs> yeah, it was it was tough. <laughs> I, rem- I mean, I remember being out in LA and being in the freelance world, it's always, you know, ups and downs. But I remember, I remember being down to my last $5 in my pocket and where I fill the car up to get home <laughs> or buy some dinner. I mean, that seems quite dramatic. But I remember as like, I have to put this money in the car, otherwise I can't get the car home and, and I'm going to be in shit. And at the time, my girlfriend had to pay my rent for a bit. So it was all, there were definitely some tight times <laughs> what, what do you think kept you going then at that point it was always the work I mean and always trying to get better I mean I think that's still something I think a lot of people I mean I, I assume that most photographers just want to get better and understand their craft so being so new to it I was you know very hungry to learn and work out and to be a better photographer and make the next job better make the next pictures better stronger I kind of what I envisioned you know a lot of the time I had a grand vision but I couldn't quite pull it off so it was always next one I'm going to do it I'm going to do it on the next one and I still say that now but um <laughs> I think there was always work coming in slowly you know it, I remember the first couple of years it was maybe two or three jobs a month and it's is editorial so it never really paid that well but I lived cheaply Hollywood was quite cheap at that time. It was like ten years ago now, so I could live quite reasonably. Yeah, I mean, I remember for the first for the first few years, I didn't even have an assistant. I just did every job myself. But I learned a lot from it. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's probably a very good thing. Yeah. So now you've shot the likes of Val Pacino, Danny DeVito, both Hillary and Bill Clinton. I think you shot you 2 this week and uh, you've shot Natalie Portman. So right at the other end from when you were sort of very hand-to-mouth arriving in LA with nothing, here you are with this massive roster of A-listers. And so what does that feel like now? Do you feel a lot more like you've made it now uh, than you did, you know, when you were in the early years?
1: No, my gosh. Um, I know I feel no different to how I did. Kind of, like, two years into my time here in LA, I, I don't know. I kind of look at my work and I, I see a change in, but I can't know where I want it to go and it hasn't gone there yet. So it's still, I don't think, I don't know. I'd be interested to speak to hear from other people whether they feel like they've ever truly made it. And that seems, a, seems obnoxious saying that now, but I don't know. I find I don't, I'm embarrassed sometimes when I tell people who I've shot. I find it kind of a little cringy because it. When you rattle off a load of names like that, it maybe sounds impressive, but to me, I don't know. It's been a, it's been a it's been a long slog for those people. So yeah. I don't feel like I've ever made it. <laughs> oh, it's all about the journey, not of, the destination. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm a big believer in that. It's always about the journey. The journey is far more exciting than the destination. Yeah. And I find, and I look back on those jobs, and I see uh, all the mistakes that were made, and the pitches that could have been. So I always feel frustration with them, where maybe somebody doesn't know the entire story; they just see the final picture. But um, yeah, I don't know. I I know I'm never not content at all.
0: It's probably good to be that hungry. I think yeah. <laughs> um, let's uh, let let's get into the um, nuts and bolts of some shoots now, and um, you know it's okay. very it's very. <laughs> <laughs> it's um it's really interesting to me uh you know it's, with the advent of social media and stuff we're seeing things like you know art stribers behind the scenes with you know 25 packs and heads and two yeah 220 two buys on the beach and uh, a team of 100 people and um, i know because we're mates and we talk all the time um, about how lo-fi you are in some ways and um to, to uh, remind me a bit about your hillary clinton shoot and flying to new york to do that and uh and how many people you were working with on that shoot in terms of support and stuff like that talk us through that
1: so hillary clinton um was over in new york this was at maybe about six months ago now so it's not that long ago really um, and i shot that by myself my assistant that day disappeared didn't turn up i think they had car problems it was a new person I've never used before so um we won't be using them again but um so <laughs> i did hillary clinton by myself and because I was expecting some gear to arrive with the assistant, I had to make do with what I had brought, which is kind of, like the, kind of a basic traveling kit I have. is like a B4, two heads. I brought one of my canvas backgrounds and some gaffer tape. So I ended up gaffer taping the canvas to the wall. There was a black curtain uh, tablecloth that I used as a flag. And Hillary was actually leaning on a bar table that was too short so we had to use beer crates to stack the table up so it's the right height um (laughs) so it's all very makeshift all very um if you had pulled out a little bit wider it would have been a very different picture but yeah i mean i think i think like you we come from this newspaper world where you just have to think on your feet and i think doing this job it's a lot about just working out how you're going to do something and i think coming from the photojournalist well, there's been like best training for this because you just dropped off and you have to make a picture. You have to make it work no matter what. So it's not the first time you just get dropped off and you have to make a picture. There's no excuses. You know, that's your job. But yeah, I kind of enjoy that. Yeah, I like that. I, mean, I like figuring out how we do stuff. It's kind of part of the fun of the job. Yeah,
0: yeah definitely. And what, what was that shoot like in terms of, uh, you know, where, where did you shoot it? Where, how did you arrive? Or, um, you know, how long did you have with Hillary? What was Hillary like? Who else was there? Give us all that.
1: Yeah. So this was going to be uh, Hillary Clinton's first UK interview exclusive for the Sunday Times magazine cover we shot at uh, in our hometown in upstate New York. We shot at, like a local hotel where they'd set up like a press day for her. I think she was doing like Good Morning America. So like a big TV crew and I've been given a smaller room downstairs and it was just a bar, it was like a restaurant bar area um, that wasn't being used and I kind of just turned that into my studio. I was staying at the hotel so I got down there maybe like three hours before the shoot was meant to happen and started setting up, and I think we were scheduled to have maybe like ten minutes with Hillary. And uh, the magazine wanted two setups, one inside and one outside. So I, yeah, so I scouted. There was to where we were in this like bar restaurant area. There was like a lovely beautiful garden outside. Hillary's people were lovely, and Hillary. I was a little unsure because you know you follow the press and. Seems to make her out as cold, but she couldn't have been warmer or nicer or funnier um, to me. And it was like a real, real joy, it was a real highlight meeting her. And she did everything I, I could dream of for the photo. Um, she looked certain ways, laughed, smiled, laughed at my jokes. And I remember, I mean, as somebody who lives in America, I follow, follow the politics quite a lot here. And I remember, you know, trying to think what sort of picture. I would, you know, what do I want to see of Hillary? And I kind of just wanted to do this, like, very serious straight camera shot. And it was towards the end of the inside portion of the shoot, we'd stop talking and joking about where we were joking about. And sometimes I kind of like to do this, whereas, you know, if it is quiet, I just don't say anything and let people be awkward. Does and that she sometimes
0: work to, out when that happens?
1: Yeah, yeah. I feel, I feel it works out more often than it doesn't. <laughs> um, but she... She was looking around, and then you could see she kind of like looked behind me because she had like you know three or four handlers with her, and she looked behind to look at them to like I don't know you know see if the time was up or somebody was going to say something. And then she just kind of like looked, looked back to camera. And I remember I got like two frames. I went, oh, I think that's going to be a good picture. And it's like very rarely I ever think that. It's not normally until I like see it back back in the sh- office. I remember it was just, it was just like a, a moment where she just stopped and then looked back to camera and just like connected with the camera and i went oh that's that's going to be interesting and then we like rushed outside did you know two minutes outside and i remember we were it was you know upstate new york so it's kind of like it was like summer but it was clouds were coming across so one minute it was like so super bright the next minute was cloudy and in the shade so i remember we know it was two minutes, I had to change the lighting because the sun had come out and we had to, like, shade her a little bit more. So I only did, like, maybe, like, 15 frames of that. And then um, she was gone. And then, yeah, it was on, like, the, the Sunday Times, like, two weeks later. And I, was a, I was really happy with it, really happy with that cover. Amazing. So
0: you were really you were really pushed on that, really. You had a very short amount of time. Your assistant did a no-show. And so thank God for the newspaper <laughs> training, really, you know, that sort of
1: got you yeah. Through, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the time is something I'm used to now because everyone has so little time. So those 10 minutes or 12 minutes, 15 minutes is normally the regular. It's kind of something I'm used to. But, you know, I don't think it really ever gets any easier because it always feels so... I mean, a 10-minute photo shoot feels like 30 seconds are past it. <laughs> what's, uh,
0: what's the shortest time do you think you've had someone for?
1: I had somebody who said you've got 12 frames, having counted... Each frame. <laughs> Are you allowed to tell me that? who it was? James Packer. Do you know who he is? I don't. He like he was like Mar- married to Mariah Carey for a minute. He's like an Australian billionaire, and he had flown. He he had just set up a company with Brett Ratner, um, like a um, a film studio producing company, and he lives in Australia. He had flown to LA for a lunchtime meeting on his jet, and was flying back. And a photo shoot was happening in a in a designated toilet break during the meeting. We'd set up we'd set up in the room opposite the meeting. He came in, you know, and tried doing a little bit of chit chat. He wasn't interested. I asked him to sit down. I took a picture just to test the light. And he goes, "You got 12. He goes, "No, he goes, I said, no, actually no, because the the light test was included." Oh God, I remember that. He sat down. He goes, "You got twelve frames." I clicked the picture and I went just checking the line he goes you got 11 you got 11 left i went i was just checking the light and he literally just like counted (laughs) down each frame as it was taken and then got up and walked out
0: oh pain (laughs) so
1: painful wow that one always stands out yeah you got something did you
0: Something being the operative word. Oh my god, that is unbelievable. While we're on the subject of delightful people, what's the what's the worst shoot you think you've had? And I hate this question. People ask me that all the time, you know. But uh, what do uh, you say? I say, yeah, uh, Mila Jovovich, I shot her in a suite in the, uh, in the Dorchester. And, um, yeah, it was a very similar experience to your counting down the frames. You know, I just sort of got <laughs> sl- slagged off the second I arrived. What are you doing here? And what the hell's that light? You know, this was meant to be, you know, one picture outside on the, uh, you know, on the balcony, not with a proper flash <laughs> setup. I sort of smiled sweetly and, uh, you know, and um, shot the petty few frames they gave me, and then uh, and then the sort of good cop bad cop scenario. The the bad the, the the bad bad cop was like bugger off, and then the good cop sort of uh, you know sort of trotted after me uh, down the corridor. Just, Oh, do you think you have got some good pictures? You know, I was absolutely fuming. You know, <laughs> so uh, and all
1: you were trying to do is like make an effort, picture. I know. It, pitch, uh, I know. I know. Like, it's yeah, frustrating. It's
0: hard not to take it personally sometimes and
1: get angry. Yeah. You know.
0: But yeah. yeah. So
1: what about you? Do you think? I don't know if I, I mean, there are, I mean, I feel like horseshoes go horribly. Um, (laughs) Not true. There was one, I mean, come on, it's always tough. It's always like a time. I mean, God, I mean, there is one that stands out. Come on then, let's go. But there was, um, there was a guy we were shooting. He was, uh, he was a judge on American Idol. Right. X-Factor even. What was he called? L.A. Reid. Yeah. And this was. Um, Set the scene. This was around this time that Michael Jackson So Michael Jackson's died, and he put, they produced an album about two years afterwards that like came out, and L.A. Reed was involved in it. And we were shooting at the Henson Studios, which is like a really world famous recording studio in L.A. It's beautiful in there. It's actually where. It's the Henson Studios, so it's kind of part where um, Jim Henson and the um, yeah. Muppets, right? Yeah, the Muppets um, were filmed. Um, and they have this incredible recording studio that's like everybody's made like epic records in. So it's like a really beautiful recording studio, and I do love shooting there. When we were told L.A. Reid was doing some interviews, it sets up so again, like a setup, like like, you know, all the studios had different press or different photo shoots in, and we were told we were gonna get him at like four o'clock in the afternoon. So we'd set up. We got there about 12 o'clock in the uh, afternoon, Started prepping, started setting up all our shots so he could just walk in, stand on the mark, do the picture, and go. Um so four o'clock comes by and we you know he says, Okay, he's running a little bit late, running a little bit late. And this happened till midnight. Wow. Still there at midnight waiting. And at about twelve o'clock, he came in, walked into the room, looked at all of us, and just said I'm too tired, and then waved <laughs> and walked out. <laughs> oh, oh my god! So you didn't shoot anything? Didn't shoot anything. Oh my god! We all just like looked at one another and just like I can't believe that happened. That's insane. Um, and I don't think the shoot ever happened after. I don't think it ever got rescheduled. I don't. I didn't do it anyway. <laughs> so that's probably one of the most frustrating. But I mean, it's really been anybody. It's been rude to me or nasty. I mean, it's just normally like a time thing, right? But mm. then, I mean, I, people are nice. I remember more. Yeah, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> if I remembered all the bad ones, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. Who's been particularly nice? Anyone
1: spring to mind? Well, I just, I just shot you two last week, and I, they go top of the top of the list. They were the one of the nuts, some of the nicest people I've ever met, and the whole team around them. Like Everybody from security to the PR to the everyone who worked on the stage career was just like a delight. So, that, I've very, very fond memories of that shoot. But then I just did Bill Clinton again a couple of weeks ago, and he was he's always a delight. My gosh, I mean, there's so many. Dave Grohl, I mean, he was everyone says he's nice, and that they're, they're right, they're not wrong. Who else? My gosh, Christopher Waltz was probably one of those. Like, kind of, he was like a really I learned a lot from him. I shot Christopher Waltz. Do you know who he is? Yeah. He's like a, yeah, he's in a lot of the Tarantino movies. Yeah. And I think he played a villain in the Bond movie and and I did a shoot with him and he made me a better photographer, like watching him, how he works. You know, he kind of brought his like acting craft to it. And it was like really, it was a really fascinating day at work that one. I'm still trying to work out how Amazing. What I can learn from that. Yeah. So I don't know. The bad ones I tend to forget, thankfully. The good ones I remember. (laughs) That's great. That's good. Really
0: good. I wanted to ask about um, doing film festivals as well, because I know for Hollywood Reporter particularly, amongst others, you do shoot quite a few film festivals now where you sort of, you know, go set up a mini studio in a corridor uh, and then through come the A-listers, one after the other, after the other. So um, I think you've got that down to a fine art, but... um, What's uh, what are those working days like, you know, maybe talk about Toronto as an example. And, um, you know, what's the what's the setup like? How many people come through your setup? Um, How long do you have with them? You know, um, how the hell do you edit that volume of that volume of work and how many people? Yeah. How many people are we talking?
1: Yeah. So the film festivals I started doing with The Hollywood Reporter. Um, and that's just been like a dream come true, true working for The Hollywood Report. So it kind of is allowing me to do everything I've wanted to do. But the film festival started and it did start the very first one. I remember Sundance Film Festival, maybe like 2013, I think. We were in a corridor, which is like six feet wide. No, there wasn't a bathroom behind. There was editors were <laughs> working behind. So they would move the background out of the way um, to get to and from the, their, their uh, desks. And then every year, it's kind of we've kind of got a little better, a little quicker, a little smoother. And now we do Sundance, we do Toronto. I love Toronto. Toronto is my favorite. We have a great space. We use it's not freezing outside. It's great to shoot there. But yeah, I don't know. I think the festivals are interesting, and it, and they've really kind of shaped the way I, I work now in my in my in my non-festival jobs. set. So they're very very you have a very, very short amount of time with somebody um, with a cast. So normally we have a, a, so normally it's a new movie that's come out that hasn't been seen yet so you don't really know anything about the movie which is always a challenge because you don't know who the lead is, you don't know what the, kind of the connection between the two actors are so you kind of have to make, you have to ask a lot of questions very quickly. There's a lot of kind of producers that are thrown in there that are kind of like maybe aren't that interesting. That's unfair because my wife's a producer. Um, <laughs> But there's a lot of added people to a cast, you know? So I find it very, like I say, it's, it's shaped the way I work now because it's very, you have to make decisions very quickly about where you're going to place people, um, what they're going to be doing, and shoot it very quickly, and then pull them out and do duos, singles, and kind of get every kind of combination you can imagine in like less than five minutes.
0: Wow.
1: It's just, it's, it's insane. But kind of shooting that quickly has kind of like carried on to my the way I work now, I can kind have, of, it's kind of like train me because I'm doing that like the so Sundance, we do kind of four days for Toronto. I think we do like five days and we're shooting maybe like 150 people a day.
0: Wow. Serious numbers.
1: So, you know, you kind of have to, and we, they, we try and have to make them different as well. You know, we have to try and make the, the groups a little different. The solos a little different people are doing, you know, people are doing something different in every picture, make them individual. So, it's kind of interesting. I've, I've really enjoyed shooting the film festivals, and it's made me a far better photographer by doing them. Um,
0: What's the day like? How long does a day like that? You know, what time are you? Uh, what, what time are you starting? What time are you finishing? And um, how many people have you got with you as well? So it changed, I mean,
1: it. So I mean, the crew's changed for Sundance. We have a smaller space, so it's actually me and one other. Okay, my brother, who is it? My assistant, who used to be my assistant in LA. The lovely Anthony and so was, yeah, and to me back to the UK. But he comes and does Sundance with me. And then Toronto, we have a bigger space. We actually have two sets going at, at Toronto. Um, do you run from one to the other then? Yeah, they're basically facing one another. So Alicia, all I have to do is turn around and I shoot the other set. Um, but we have a bigger set for that because we have a set builder. We have a Digitech on set as well who's kind of organizing the files into the right movie and sending them off to be retouched because everything er, Toronto everything gets turned around really fast. So you're editing so, so on some the go you, then, are you? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we're kinda of, so Toronto, we probably get our first cast through at maybe ten o'clock in the morning. Right. So the first day we we'll get there maybe three hours before and make sure everything's kind of where we want it to be. The next day's after, we're gonna get there an hour before make sure the lights are still haven't been moved, make sure the files and folders are ready to go. Yeah. So we get there at nine, we shoot 10, and then we're shooting till maybe five o'clock. Okay. And then we are sending all those files out as we go throughout the day. So basically if I'm not shooting, I'm editing.
0: Right, God, so literally yeah. you don't even have two seconds to yourself.
1: No, like a, a badly timed pee break can ruin the whole day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and are they generally nice, the talent, as they come through there?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I love, everyone seems in a great mood in Toronto. I don't know what it is about that film festival festival in particular, but the talent's in a great mood. It's got this kind of autumn vibe about it. The so people are wearing kind of like beautiful clothing, um, you know, really nicely styled, where at Sundance people are kind of, Wearing the winter coat, they just got free at the last <laughs> <laughs> at the last place. You know, they're wearing some big winter hats and scarves, so it's always difficult to make a a good picture there. Um, but Toronto, I feel, it's, it's it's really great. I love it, love it.
0: Let's talk a bit about your your working days now, I and mean, what's your what's an average day like for you? Just in terms of, that's a quite a broad question for people like us who have varying things to do every <laughs> different day, but uh, what's your average day? At like, what time do you get up? What do you eat? You know, is that, do you have any kind of more beginning routine of any sort? Let's say you're not on a shoot day. So let's say you
1: have a few days. Yeah. Not
0: shooting. You're in LA. What's that? What is your, what's the first few hours
1: of your day look like? I have no routine that's worth following. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work for me. <laughs> uh. <laughs> if I'm in LA, in LA um, I have, we have a one-year-old so it's kind of up when she gets up yeah make sure I take if I'm not working I'll take her to school This is all very boring but you know being in LA you wake up to emails from the UK yeah. so you know when I wake up it's you know four or five o'clock in the three four o'clock in the UK <laughs> um, <laughs> three four o'clock in the UK so there's kind of like stuff to reply back to which kind of like it kind of you know it kind of that starts to shape the day, I suppose. Yeah, it? it starts yeah. to shape your day. So yeah. you, you kind of, you know, you kind of, it kind of out of your control already because people want the files or yeah. you know, they want to know what dates are available or you know, it's last minute stuff. You know, so it's kind of, you know, opening that, opening the email in the morning is a little, you know, like a little nerve wracking. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so if I'm if I'm in LA, I mean, if I'm at LA, I take my daughter to school, come back, and there's normally. Files to I mean I do quite a lot of my retouching here. So um, I will do I will do that if I need to. There's always a lot of planning for shoots. And being in LA, you would think a lot of shoots happen in LA, but I seem to spend a lot of time traveling. So there's a lot of kind of uh, just production that goes with that, right?
0: How do you find the travel? Because you do travel loads. One minute you ring me and you're like, hey, I'm just in Florida, and then the next minute you're like, hey. Can I state yours tomorrow night? I'm going to be in London tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so, be in London week, Dad. <laughs> there you go, exactly. Um so so what how how do you deal with that travel? Um, do you enjoy it? Um, you know, and um, what do you do about time zones and stuff like that? You know, how do you cope with jet
1: lag and stuff like that? I love the travel. Mm. I love it. I love going to I love going. I mean, one of my one of one of the things I moved to America was I love you know, I'm a big Americana fan. I love going to small town America. And the first few years of being out here with Q magazine, I used to do that. I used to just go to, you know, it'd be Mumford and son in Colorado or upstate New York. And you just go to these places that you never normally, I think even as never normally go to unless you live there, you know, no tourist, not single tourist around Ohio and all these random places. And I really enjoyed it. Um, But now a lot of my times it's kind of the same places, New York and Vegas and Seattle and places. But I still love the travel. I think it's interesting. And being in LA, you know, even though I say I don't shoot, I shoot a lot in LA and it's very much the same. I love going to different places, having different environments and different landscapes to photograph. Yeah. You know, I have this shoot in London and it's interesting. Even though I am British, I haven't done many kind of shoots in the UK, you know, so I kind of find it very exciting to come back to UK and see this, have this landscape and this environment to shoot in. It's something I'm so familiar with, but to photograph it, it's kind of uh, it's new to me. So it's just exciting there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And do you have, um, like, in terms of how your kind of photography life works? Do you have you got a big team around you? Do you outsource much? I know you said you do your own retouching. So, do you do sort of everything <laughs> in terms of the retouch, or do you, you know are some, some uh, do some things get outsourced, or how does that work?
1: A lot of stuff. I mean, like, it depends. It depends on the job and the client. So, a lot of stuff gets outsourced. And we have a we have a couple of great people. We use one in New York and one in um, Texas, um, Lily and violin uh, in New York who are awesome. And I think, you know, like I say, being the first few years, I, you know, I had to learn myself how to do this stuff because yeah. there was no one, there was no budget for this stuff. So I learned myself and I, I, I love, I enjoy it still. Yeah i kind of find it quite relaxing sometimes it's your um, vision
0: of the image anyway isn't it really so you may as well yeah. follow it may as well follow it through to the end that's what i think sometimes yeah. i don't do exactly. my own retouching but that you know i i but I, I should do more and i think that's the thing you know and um i I, I i spot that with with you anyway like for example when you took i can't remember who was it three amazing people into the desert and uh well, you actually shot the desert separately and then shot the people and joined them together. But <laughs> I always remember thinking yeah. that's fantastic. But so <laughs> to be, oh, sorry, <laughs> we'll leave oh, that yeah. in. <laughs> but um, but yeah, having the vision, I suppose, is uh, that's you know good to be able to see that through to the end.
1: Yeah, and I think it's so powerful. I mean, so much of our work now is is post-processing, is relied upon, it's not relied upon even, but it, it, it shapes the creative... Image that I have for the picture, yeah, and being in control of that makes a difference because there are just—it's just all about tiny tweaks. You know, it's never like one easy click and it's done. I find it's just like very small moves to get it to where I want to, and I find if I'm doing that, I can get there quicker than you know back and forth on email. Yeah. So and and you know, I my work is still evolving. So for that to evolve, I need to be involved in it. So I very much very much enjoy that part of it and learning. Yeah. yeah. I like to learn. Yeah.
0: Yeah. On the, on the, talk, on, on the um, on the subject of sort of involving, what do you think helps to keep you creative and inspired, which um, people ask me as well. It's sometimes tricky to answer, but you know, what's, what's keeping you creative. Do you think what makes you push to continue to be the best creative version of yourself? Wine. <laughs> <laughs> that is the best answer. Yeah. I can tell you that. <laughs>
1: one and a half glasses of wine (laughs) (laughs) i love it um it's interesting yeah i'm i don't know i wish there was i wish i wish i knew because i would be a a lot more productive if i knew what what pushed my buttons do you get inspired
0: by other people's work do you keep a big folder of images do you have some kind of reference folder of images do you use that um you know before a shoot
1: for example or I mean, this is the one good thing about social media is that you're exposed to so many different styles of photography and I find that inspiring. You'll see things and that I've never seen done before or color or just interesting ideas. You know, I have like, I use Instagram and I have five different folders on there for different categories of, of pictures I like. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that, so yeah, I, I don't know. You, know, you know, social media is very interesting. It's kind of inspiring but also very depressing at the same time so do you use it much yourself for I use it a fair bit and I don't do you, know do you like it well, <sighs> no you don't I don't know I feel I don't I feel it's cool to say no but yeah um definitely. I don't enjoy it no. I don't know well it's it's
0: a tough one right Instagram particularly
1: what do you think about that I think it's very powerful in the way it's shaping photography I don't know I've been doing this a while now, so I don't know. You know, you see see a lot of the kids using it, and it's and a whole new style of photography has kind of been come from it. Yeah, and it seems to be, in the moment it's like the hot thing. It's like a it's like a it's a trend at the moment is to have this like Instagram style about your photography. But um, I don't know. And my my work's not like that. Mine's not like this like carefree lifestyley vibe so you know there's a little bit of bitterness (laughs) towards it (laughs) but no I mean I use it for for work and promoting but yeah it doesn't really give me any enjoyment no I don't know I don't know I I need to think of a better better way of answering my question no no that's good that's good right uh, but but just
0: back to creativity I've, I've got a friend who's a like a um a material print designer you know and she says sometimes I wake up at two three in the morning and I just can't turn the ideas off. It's like a tap I can't kind of turn off, you know. Um I often couldn't feel further from that, you know. I literally Saturn needs to be in alignment with <laughs> Jupiter for me to have, you know, a sort of petty little half assed idea of a, a creative vision, you know. Where where do you fall on that spectrum, do you think?
1: Yeah, I'm with you. The crystals have to be aligned <laughs> and a full moon and um yeah, I don't know the shower. I don't know. Some you know it's weird because sometimes you have ideas and they're like, Oh my god, that's a really good idea. But I kinda you forget where it came from. It just comes and it goes and then you're like, damn, I wish I could access that more. I don't know. It's the same with shoots when we have pressure, I think, is good. Sometimes under pressure I can yeah. think of good ideas. Like you have a you have like a, a lead time up to a shoot and you can't think of an idea. And then like the morning of the shoot, they're just like bubbling through of ideas and you're like yes. okay let's do this let's do that let's do this and you yeah. know I don't think I would have thought of it if I've just been sat there and you know had a, two days to think of ideas it kind of has to be some kind of like pressure I don't know maybe that's to kind of again from the newspaper world I don't know you know yeah. you, you're just always under pressure to think of ideas yeah. so I don't know but yeah, just how my, my, I've been trained to
0: yeah yeah exactly yeah deep within you. What, um, what about personal <laughs> <Not that> pro- <laughs> What about personal projects? What, you know, do you, do you do any, I remember I, I, your Chicago pictures. I don't, I don't, I think that was a commission, wasn't it? Rather than a personal project, but it kind yeah. of, uh, it sort of felt like a personal project. I always remember you. Yeah, know,
1: I remember of, you know. that. I was really excited about that job. I got sent to um, Chicago for Billboard magazine that was doing, uh, doing a piece on music, in Chicago and Chicago has a lot of you know social problems gangs and gun crime and stuff like that so I got sent there for a week which is really unusual it's a job that I've never kind of commissioned I've never had before from Billboard and much wasn't really set up there was a few people I was supposed to meet but I kind of treated it as a personal project so it's kind of like going back to my newspaper days like you know you kind of go and make your contacts and kind of find the story out. And it was like one of the most rewarding weeks of work, I think. It kind of, it was kind of this really nice combination of the photojournalism side that I enjoyed and uh, kind of bringing this more kind of polished style that I've learnt together into one thing. I really enjoyed it and it's something I want to do more of. But I remember I just went, I think I landed on a Sunday and I went to Southside Chicago to like some blues bar that was in somebody's like front room, It's a dodgy part of town. I was like the only white guy in there. And I was worried for a minute, but it turned out to be one of the the best nights ever. Everyone was so nice and welcoming. And then just like introduced me to people for the rest of the week. Uh, And it just became a really, really exciting job. I guess it was so real, wasn't it really? You know, you're actually there for real. There's nothing yeah. nothing
0: contrived about it. You're, you know, it's back to photojournalism. You know, you're you're just you're recording what's going on there, you know, and uh, and what's happening there is is real real music, you know.
1: Real music, real people, like really just genuine people and just like so interesting, you know. There's this one guy um he was a PI and he was also like an he used to be in the 80s was like a, a kind of like semi-famous singer in America and just like tours of Europe but now he's like he's like a fedora wearing PI in Southside Chicago amazing. with a with a gun in his jacket and then at night he's like a like a lead singer in a blues band it was like this you know, this guy should have a TV show it's amazing so <laughs> and and just like find things like that and just to be so visually appealing it was just it was like a really great week and yeah. I keep saying I'll follow up and do more of that but yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think if you know something real, it was it was great to do. You're not really in control of it, so you just kind of photographing what's happening in front of you, which was a uh, which is a really exciting change.
0: Yeah, it's very liberating, I think, for the likes of us, yeah. not having the constraints of uh, you know a full brief and. Uh, PRs and PA's around you and right. control and stuff. So yeah. So, but, uh, but do you do you make any do you ma- do you make any time either physically or in your head for
1: personal projects? Do you, is it something you think about? <laughs> There's more time in my head to personal projects than anything else. <laughs> Unfortunately, they never go any further. <laughs> Join the club. <laughs> <laughs> we're the same. We've like we for like five years. We have said we're going to do projects together, and they're still here. <laughs>
0: What are you doing in October? Yeah, I won't turn exactly. up anyway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this film's going to go out of eh?
0: date. <laughs> hey, talking about film, actually, um, not wanting to cut you off on personal projects, but actually on to moving image. Um, what's the situation with you and moving image? You know, everyone's now calling themselves a photographer director. Are you? Um, are you? You doing any moving image? Where? Do, what are your thoughts on
1: moving image? I don't know. I think they're very different disciplines. I still love. I I still love photography and I think there's so much more I want to learn about photography and that learning directly, you know, kind of get my head around directing and the whole project from start to finish and the editing and the music and the story is is something that is, I don't have the, I hate this word, bandwidth for at the moment. But um, yeah, yeah, I I mean, I, you know, I was, I'm still, I film my daughter and I'm still not quite sure if I should be vertical or horizontal. I'm like, I don't know which (laughs) is. Which one's gonna be right in the future? <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, so Davina directs might not be the best option. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
0: what um what what um what might you be doing in five years, do you think? And and how, how do you think the industry's changing?
1: Uh, I think the I think the industry's changing because of social media. For the worst. Um, I don't I don't know. I don't know if I'd say that. I mean maybe for the likes of me for the worst, but I don't don't know if that's... I mean, I think people are wanting more kind of uh, genuine imagery, you know, Mm. natural imagery. I don't know. You know, I think it's going to be interesting to see where it goes, especially with VR and AR and all that kind of technology. Some of that stuff's like mind-blowing what's happening. Mm. So in five years, I think it might just look the same, but 10 years, I think it's just going to be... Something we don't even know about. Yeah, I don't know what that is. The guy in the studio who has one of those um motion capture rigs with you know like sixty Nikon cameras, and they go and shoot you know, Nike commercials and all this stuff. And you know they're just taking a picture and putting it into a, you know a a, a game um, like um a game engine. Yeah. And then just like animating it and just making you know a picture from nothing. Basically, it's very impressive what they're doing. So. I don't know. You just gonna be interesting to see how, where that technology goes, and especially for the work I do, I should say. I mean, for the for this kind of entertainment world where people are pressed for time and don't want to have pictures taken and stuff like that, I can see becoming quite mainstream. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know. It's gonna be interesting, right? It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Um
0: can do you think anyone can do what you do? Is it possible? And is it as
1: glamorous yeah. as it sounds? No, yes and no. <laughs> if I can do it, a monkey can do it. <laughs> yeah, I think. it is it glamorous? There are glimpses of glamour, but the glamour is not for me. It's for the person I'm photographing. <laughs> so No, it's not glamour. I mean, it's an enjoyable job. I mean, I, won't, I wouldn't even say it's a job. It's like uh, just this is my life. But it's, yeah. I would never say I feel embarrassed to call this my job because I feel very fortunate. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's it's exciting. It's an exciting life that photography gives you. Yeah, you get to do some amazing things and meet amazing people, which always seems still very unreal to me. Yeah.
0: Where can people find out more about you?
1: Uh, online.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love the sigh. <laughs> what's your web, What's the website? AustinHargrave.com. Austin, Austin Hargrave. Yeah. And what about Instagram? Right. Do
1: you do that? Same for same for Instagram, um, Austin Hargrave. There is an Austin Hargrave. Oh, who is he? There is another Austin Hargrave as well, uh, who is a big online gamer and is the more famous Austin Hargrave. Would you believe? Wow! Because by the, the name that. of Peanut, yeah, Peanut by Gamer. Wow! So I get I get a lot of messages to uh, Peanut by Gamer, <laughs> asking about to play. <laughs> to play a new game online again or to help them with a cheat. Um, so that's fun. Yeah. Great. Is this it, Dan? I feel like I've just yeah, rambled. That's it. No, and it's brilliant. No, no, that's good.
0: No, that's really, really good. No, that's excellent. Yeah. So um, something else I wanted to ask you is are there any quotes or beliefs you live by? I went
1: on to a, a workshop with my hero, um, Norman Jean Roy, for a few days and it was like the most inspiring two days of my life and also like the most depressing. I wanted to like not be a photographer as well after it um he was incredible but I remember he was he was shooting somebody on a piece of like boring it was like like if you looked at it you're like this is like a ship photo what's what's he doing and he I don't know this is where he's just like a genius he goes there's always a great picture you just have to find it and that's always something that's kind of in, in you know always remembered even like when you get these terrible locations or terrible subjects there's always a great picture there it's just up to you to find it so you can't go blaming your uh, situation so that's something i always think about when i'm in the shit really but as far as a chant or a mantra no <laughs>
0: well great what, what great advice from Norman Jean Roy that's uh, yeah absolutely was, I mean the pictures absolutely. were epic
1: like I remember this is I mean I remember when I first came over to LA I remember seeing his work in um, Vanity Fair and it was a picture of um, Jeremy Irons on a car in the south of France or something I'm just like it's like it's still one of my favourite pictures now I look at it and I'm like it's just perfect and I I got to go to this, uh, this workshop for a few days And he was just inspiring. He was just like really an amazing uh, teacher. And the picture he took, I mean, it was just like a a piece of grass in a car park and it looked like it was straight out of Vanity Fair. And He just, it was like no lighting, just open shade and it was just epic. And I'm like, that's just wow. It's just, he's just brilliant. (laughs) I'm going to stop being a photographer. (laughs) I'm going to go home and (laughs) I don't know what. (laughs) I can't do anything else, so I don't know what I'm going to do.
0: (laughs) Well, Austin, it's been absolutely brilliant. Uh, Fascinating to hear about uh, all of your stories and everything. And um, thank you very much indeed for your time.
1: Thanks, Dan. I'll speak to you tomorrow. Speak to you tomorrow. (laughs) Bye, Bye, mate.
0: Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please click on the subscribe button in your listening app so you never miss an episode. See you next time.